I'm so thankful for a praying church, aren't you? God hears our prayers. He's good to us, too. We don't understand the things that happen in this world, at least I don't. But I'm so thankful that we can trust God, even when we don't get it. All right. Gets to Mike in here like that. I must love this guy. So uh, a while ago, I didn't take my opportunity that God gave me to speak. Uh, but guys, we ain't promised tomorrow. And uh, our marriages, you know, they struggle. Things like what we did up there, it, it, it builds your marriage. It helps you fight the battles. So if your marriage is struggling, things like that will help. I mean, there's people here that will help you. So... Take what God's given you. Don't take another day for granted. We don't know. Amen. Love y'all. Love you, brother. Thank you, man. Amen, brother. Why wouldn't we take every opportunity, right? We get busy. We get to running around, and we think, you know, I've got tomorrow, I've got tomorrow, I'll work on my marriage tomorrow, I'll work on my relationship with you tomorrow, Lord, and next thing we know, if, if you know, our life isn't snuffed out, we turn around and, you know, we're 60, 70 years old, and that's not bad, you can still live a good life at 60 or 70, okay, <laughs> 80, 90, whatever, you know, but we look back and we say, man, if I'd have just had some of those years back, I'd have done some things differently. You know, don't let that be said of you. Um, talked to a man recently who was toward the end of his life, and uh, he had a lot of those regrets, and it just broke my heart. Uh, because you can't, you can't go back. You can't go back. And so I try to, try to remember that myself. I don't want to take any, any time for granted. As a matter of fact, a little story on that. We were at Dollywood yesterday. And I used to be able to ride all the rides. I would never get sick. I would never, I would never get, you know that wonky feeling you get, you know, when you're like car sick and you're like motion sick and you're like, I don't know about this. I used to be able to ride every ride. I would, I, I would laugh at people who got like that, you know, because they were, they were less of a man than me and I was a child. Um, but I, I jumped, we were having a good time. I jumped on the first ride. We rode. It was fun. It was called Lightning Head. Is that what it was? Lightning rod, and it was a lightning rod, um, and I got off that ride, and it was fun. Uh, Asher about peed himself, but <laughs> it was fun, um, but when I got off it, I was like, hmm, what is that feeling? I know that feeling. You know how to kind of creep on you? Some of y'all just start puking, you know, that's not me. So I did the next one, and that was fun. I did a couple more, and I was just like, oh, you know. And so I was kind of backed off of it, and uh, Heather thought I'd gotten upset about something, or she thought I was mad. She was like, she sent me a text because I took Ray to do something, because I didn't want to ride any more of the big rides, because I was like, like this, you know. And she was like, you're acting miserable. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not miserable, I'm sick. I don't feel good, right? And uh, she was like, I just wanted this day to be fun. And so we kind of had a little, we like to argue by text now, it's a lot easier. <laughs> You know, because like she can't see me going, <laughs> right? And so, uh, but she was like, I just wanted to have fun today. Well, I thought we were having fun, but looking back on it, I guess, because I was like, ugh. <laughs> it looked like I wasn't having fun anymore. And so uh, after that, I got to thinking about it, and I was like, well, I guess I just need to push through, you know, because I'm not going to be at Dollywood tomorrow. So I tried to ride a couple more rides. I think I did ride another one or two, and I tried to have a good attitude. It was all, in the back of my mind, I was like this. You know, but uh, no, we had we had fun uh, all day long. I was exhausted, but anyway, uh, sometimes you know we we get caught up in our own personal junk and our own personal issues, whether it be busyness because of business or business because of problems or whatever, and we lose sight of making the most of every day. So I tell that little silly story just to say sometimes we just got to push through to make the best of what we've got, right? Some of you know that better than others, but sometimes we've got to push through and just trust in God that we're going to make it, okay? You may have to 
you know, wipe a little puke off your mouth, but you're going to make it, you know, push through, push through. Turn in your Bibles with me uh, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Got about 30 minutes today. If y'all want to be out by 12, but I know y'all don't care about that, so let's just roll. <laughs> oh, goodness. John chapter 16. Uh, I'm going to read verses uh, 14b through 15, uh, but I'm going to focus in on verse 14 and just talk to you a little bit this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand together as we read God's holy word. John 16, verses 4b through 15. Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of, the truth, uh, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I have just a few points this morning as we touch on the work of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, we could write volumes and volumes and preach sermons upon hours upon hours upon hours about the work of the Holy Spirit in his divine uh, work in the believer, in the world. But I just want to touch on three things today, three um, qualities, attributes of the Holy Spirit, and three are three realities that we need to be aware of and I think that we need to consciously think of and that we need to seek out so that our life in Christ can be all that it could be. Lots of times we talk about the personal work of Christ. And I think that's a great thing. If you know me, you know that I believe that Jesus Christ is the central figure of the scriptures that draws everything together. He is the axiom, so to speak. And obviously, we understand that the Trinity are, are all equal in their deity, that Jesus Christ is no more God than the Father, no less God than the Father. The Holy Spirit is no more God or no less God than the Father, the Son. But that in God's great redemptive plan that Jesus Christ is that central figure that holds everything and ties everything together where all the truths meet that the father's will is to send the son to do the work of redemption and the Holy Spirit it uh, he applies the work that the son has has accomplished in order to bring about the kingdom of God uh, here on earth so uh, but not a whole lot more about that I want to talk specifically though to this morning a little bit about the Holy Spirit and, and why I began saying that is is that the Holy Spirit is oftentimes neglected in our sermons and in our preaching and in a lot of the writings. And even though he finds his way into the writings, a lot of the times, whether it be the creeds or the confessions or commentaries or whatnot, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is almost a side note. That the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is kind of a, a side note or a secondary line of, of thinking and he's just getting things done, and he's just, uh, he's just a supporting force, so to speak, of the real work of the Father or the real work of the Son. And so not that I would ever take anything away from the Father and the Son. I just want you to know and be aware that the work of the Spirit is on par with, it is equal to, it is as important as the work of the Father or the work of the Son or the, the work of the Godhead in its totality. Does this make sense? And so just a little bit of, uh, on that this morning. And just to kind of show you that, um, I 
printed a few things out here, and, and one is, I don't know if many of you read the confessions or if you think that the confessions are important at all. I, I would highly recommend that you read the confessions. The Westminster Confession is a confession that was written um, for the church's benefit. I, I would say that the confession obviously does not carry the same authority as the Word of God. Only the Word of God is inspired in its original writings, but the the Westminster Westminster Confession, along with several of the creeds um, and other confessions too, the um, the London Baptist 1689. Those these are really really good and were put together by men of God who trusted God, who loved God, and who sought diligently to put into uh, very clear and concise statements on what the church has historically believed and what orthodox theology is, what orthodox belief is on different uh, topics in Scripture, whether it be uh, Jesus Christ, salvation, the sovereignty of God, or so on and so forth, the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, things like that. And so where I wouldn't put those creeds or the confessions on par with Scripture, obviously, I would say that they're very, very helpful and they can be very good for us to see how our understanding of Scripture compares to what those um, divines, those interpreters, those uh, men of God, uh, how they thought about these, these things and what they had written down and what the church has really been guided by, you know, not apart from the Scripture, but founded in the Scripture and what, the, what they have agreed that the Scriptures teach about these things. I point that out to, to point this out. In the Westminster Confession that is 33 chapters long and has all kind of different um, topics in there, such as what we talked about a few, the, the, the Scripture, um, the Godhead and the Trinity, um, Jesus Christ, um, who He is and what He did, redemption, um, all these different things. There's no explicit chapter on the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in 1903, the Presbyterian Church did add a chapter. Uh, the 34th chapter was a chapter on the Holy Spirit. Now, it's um, debatable whether you know it should have been added or shouldn't have been added. I was listening to uh, John Gerstner speak on the addition. They actually added two chapters, 34 and 35. Uh, one, 34, was on the Holy Spirit. I think 35 was on the love of the gospel and the, and the gospel mission. But... He speaks to this, and, and basically his stance is that it, it never was really needed because the Holy Spirit, and this is a true statement as you read the Westminster Confession, there's a reason I'm saying this, is that as you read the Westminster Confession, there's not, there wasn't a chapter on the Holy Spirit. But almost every chapter, ev almost every single um, point had something about the Holy Spirit in it <laughs> because all of these truths are applied or are implemented by the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about salvation? Salvation cannot happen apart from the, the work of the Holy Spirit drawing the unbeliever. Uh, all of these things uh, must necessarily involve the Holy Spirit, and that was his point, and, and I see the point. But the new point today that I'm making is this, is that the Westminster, the Westminster Confession has a chapter on Jesus Christ. It has a chapter on the Trinity, but it doesn't have a chapter on the Holy Spirit. Now, you can debate whether or not it should have one or it shouldn't have one. I'll leave that up to, to you. My point is this. Oftentimes, we just assume that people understand what the Holy Spirit does or who the Holy Spirit is. And when we don't clearly define and talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, it leaves it open to lots of crazy interpretations, lots of crazy ideas about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And, you know, I won't judge any church, um, but some churches claim that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, but as you watch that church, there's so much confusion, so much chaos, and so much disorder that you really have to wonder if that's actually the Holy Spirit doing that. You can debate whether it is, whether it isn't, that's fine. But how do we know if it's the Holy Spirit? How do we know? Because we know that we have to test the spirits. And why would we have to test the spirits unless there's 
unholy spirits and the Holy Spirit. Lest there's evil spirits and there's righteous spirits. How do we, I mean, what are we testing? And how do we test those spirits? And how do we know that it's the Holy Spirit and not a demonic spirit? Well, these are just questions. And my whole point in that was that we need to make sure that we are reading God's word and that we are studying the scriptures to know who the Holy Spirit is, what he expects of us, what, he, what he's doing in our midst, how he interacts with us. And I'm, you know me, if you've been here at any length of time, I'm not a cessationist. I do not believe that God has ceased all the miraculous gifts and, and all these types of things. I'm a continuationist. Now, I'm a careful continuationist, okay? I do believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been abused. I do believe that they've been used for personal gain, for fame, and for all these types of things. But I'm not about to throw the baby out with the bathwater. God, if he wants to use a person to heal someone, praise God. I'm all for that. Uh, if you speak in tongues, I don't put that... I, <laughs> Paul says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. I'm not about to do what God said not to do. But I would expect that that be done in order, like is laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Is that right? Yeah. So it's to be done in a certain way. My point today is not to speak on tongues or to speak about healing and, and so on and so forth. My point is, is that the Holy Spirit is an actual, he, he has actual personhood. Okay? And he is doing something and he's doing it in a certain way and he's bound by that way because of who he is in his nature and he can't operate outside of the word of God and his nature and so therefore there are certain things that we can look at and go no that's not the Holy Spirit there's some things that we admittedly have to look at and say I don't know I give you the benefit of the doubt you know, praise the Lord. There's some things that we can know. There's some things we can't. What I want to talk to you about today is some things that we do know that the Holy Spirit does in some ways that he moves. And we're here in John chapter 16. And it won't take long to go through these. Very practical sermon, I hope, today. I want to talk to you about your interaction with the Holy Spirit and how crucial and how important that is in order for you to become who God has called you to be in Jesus Christ. You don't need to just have head knowledge. You have to be able to be moved by the power of God to become who God is calling you to become and not just know what one should become. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's look at the scripture here. Uh, I'm going to read chapter 14 again. I mean, chapter 16, verse 14 again, and we're just going to kind of unpack. Okay. So verse 14 in John chapter 16 says this. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I'll read verse 15 as well. All that the Father has is mine. Jesus is the mine there. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, Jesus, and declare it to you. So you need to understand first thing right away is that the Holy Spirit is the conduit, the agent, through which the Word of God effectually comes to any man or any woman. Whether they be an unbeliever and the gospel comes with the transforming power of regeneration and opens that unbeliever's eyes so that they might be able to see, gives them ears that they might be able to hear, transforms and brings about life and brings about the ability to choose God, brings about faith that they might be saved, that the Holy Spirit is the divine agent through which the work of Jesus Christ is applied to the life of the unbeliever, that they might be saved. Second is this, is that the Holy Spirit is also the divine agent through which the word of God comes to the believer for the transforming work of sanctification, that God might transform you and conform you to the image of the Son through the word of God as it is written on your heart by the Holy Spirit himself. That the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the divine agent, the divine person of the Godhead 
that brings the work of Christ and brings the will of the Father into your life and applies it to you personally that you might be who God has called you to be. You cannot be who God has called you to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. Let me read this first point to you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down or jot it down in a paraphrase, whatever. Number one, so we're going to go beginning, middle, and end, okay? Birth, life, I won't say death, I'll say glory, because as we have proven in here, even in our debate, that uh, if you're in Christ, you indeed have eternal life and have escaped death, okay? So for the believer, now if you're an unbeliever in here, you're going to die a horrible, awful death, Okay? Come to Christ and escape death, move from death into life, okay? That's not hard. Come see me. I'll tell you how. But for the righteous, for the saint, yes, that's right. I said for the righteous in here, not because of your righteousness. Y'all all, as Dakota said, jacked up. But because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that's been imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, through the, according to the will of the Father, you are now transformed and made holy in the work of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you now live your life through the Holy Spirit and that you are pleasing under the, under the Father. That you are, you are a pleasing aroma to the Father. Why? Because Jesus was the pleasing aroma and we've been clothed in Christ. And as we're clothed in Christ, this fragrant aroma... Uh, it, 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 it exudes from us. And the Father, think about this now. The Father looking upon us is so pleased. You need to understand this. And I'm, this is not in my notes, but I feel that God, you, somebody needs to hear this. Yes, I know you stink. I know you stink. I know some of your actions stink. I am not giving you a path, a, a, a pass to live in this stench. Okay? You need to be convicted. You need for brothers to come alongside of you. You need sisters to come alongside of you and tell you how stupid you're acting. The Word of God is good. It is, it is necessary, sufficient for rebuke. It's part of it. Okay? You need someone to come and tell you that. But you also, I think, need someone to tell you this. Don't stop coming to the Father because you are struggling with sin that's been cast off as far as the east is to the west in the grand scheme and the economy of God. I know we don't think in terms like that. I know that you are temporal and you're here and you're now. And you're struggling with your sin. And you feel unworthy. So you don't want to come into the presence of a righteous father with unworthy baggage. But what you need to understand. God did not start loving you because you ridded yourself of your baggage he loved you while you had your baggage sent the holy spirit to disperse of your baggage and the dispersing work of the holy spirit of your baggage is for all eternity now the perfect work of jesus christ upon faith is credited credited to you imparted to you and that's not just the resurrection propitiation that christ accomplished your payment but we i believe in the in the impartation of the active obedience of christ meaning this you say what does that mean meaning this though it's not just please get this you okay look everybody looking at me you need to understand, this is a doctrine that not everybody believes in. I'm going to teach it because I believe it's true. Romans chapter 8, if you need proof, come talk to me afterwards. I'm telling you. A lot of people believe in the imparted righteousness of Christ and the propitiation of Christ paying our sin debt. Okay? 
and freeing us of the condemnation of, of sin. But further, I would say that Jesus Christ, it's not just his death and resurrection that's imparted to us, but his obedient life and his obedience throughout eternity is credited to us as well. I don't think that the propitiation could work unless that be true. And I don't think that the perseverance of the saints could maintain if that wasn't true. This is what I mean. The perfect life that Christ lived in perfect fulfillment and obedience to the law is credited to us as well as if it were us living the perfect, righteous obedience of the law. Does that make sense? The reason I say that is this. Your actions, while they may grieve the Holy Spirit, and while they may grieve the Father, and while they may in some sense upset the Father, grieve the Son, they can't cut you off from fellowship from the Son because they're not the basis on which you come into fellowship with the Son or the Father. Does this make sense? See, you didn't come into to unity and relational connection with God, the Father, the Son of the Spirit, through a certain standard of behavior that you've met. You actually came in through death, through the death of Christ. His death was accounted to you as your payment. His life is accounted to you as your ongoing sustaining. You are kept because Christ never fails, not because you never fail. So let me clear that air right there. If you're in sin right now, yes, it's grievous to the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's grievous to the Father. But he's not cut you off because you didn't get in because of that. But he sees you as righteous. And even in this, that he considers you a son. He considers you a daughter. And he is longing and waiting and looking to draw you in. Even though you think you can't come. That God is in love with you. For those who are in Christ, God is in love with you. Listen to this, number one. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of Christ is ineffectual for your salvation, beginning. It's ineffectual for your sanctification, the middle, your life. And it's ineffectual for your glorification. We can go to many scriptures here, John 3, 5 through 8. I don't have time to do all that, but it speaks of the new birth, being born of, of water and spirit. It speaks of you cannot have fellowship with God without being born of the Spirit. Now, I'm all about the personal work of Jesus Christ. You know, he's my king. He's my Messiah. But apart from the Holy Spirit applying the work of the Messiah to your life, then that's a work that was done out there for somebody else that's not applicable to you. It's not for you until the Holy Spirit draws you in and applies it to you. And then you're transformed. Then you're regenerate. Then you've been born again. Uh, now, I was going to go to John 3, uh, running out of time. That, that phrase there, water and spirit, is, is beautiful. And there's been different interpretations of that. And um, there's, a, there's a little space there for debate. That's fine. But one thing I'll say is this, is that throughout the Old Testament and throughout the Scripture, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'll just read this one verse right here and I just want to because this is I think is is I think important um not just because it's you know not just because it's in the Bible but because it speaks of what the Holy Spirit desires to do in the churches today and that is Joel uh Joel chapter 2 and some of you already know this Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and it says this of the Holy Spirit listen to the language of the Holy Spirit and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Oftentimes this picture of 
pouring out the, the Holy Spirit, him washing you, purifying you, is, is this idea that the, Holy, the, the part of the work of the Holy Spirit is the regeneration, the purification, the renewal, the new birth of the individual under the power of the Holy Spirit by the work of the cross. And so we see this, this, this beginning point being uh, through the work, by the will of the Father. So, okay, I just don't have time, but... So the Father elects from the foundation of the world. We can debate that later if you want to. That's fine. But we know that in love you were predestined before the foundation of the world. You know, argue amongst yourselves what that means. We know that God predestined before the foundation of the world. Take it or leave it. I don't care. It's the Bible. Okay? So we know that the Father is doing a work. The Son came to, to make God's election possible for by coming and being the propitiation, the, the, the atoning sacrifice that would, that, would make, that would allow the elect to come into the kingdom of God. And, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said here in the text, he said, I've got to go away. I know that you're mourning and you're sad because I'm going away, but you don't understand. I've got to go away, and it's to your advantage. Why, Jesus? Why you got to go? We got you right here. We got you right now. And Jesus says, that, that, that I, but I'm right here in the flesh before you. You see, Jesus is saying, like, I've got to go out of your presence in the flesh so that I can come and dwell inside of you. Jesus, how's that going to happen? Through the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said, I've got to go so that I can send the helper who is going to, to lead you to me. He's going to conform you to me. I, through the helper, through the Holy Spirit, I will be a reality inside of you. And that you will become a temple of the Holy Spirit. We could go on and on and on about you know, the individual, the believer being the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God. And this plays into all types of other theologies. But that's the beautiful reality is that the Father plans he elects he has all these this this sovereign decree the son comes of his own volition we heard last week of his own volition that he chose to lay down his life to do the work that would accomplish this 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 ingathering this this bringing in of the elect of the people of god and that he ascended that he res he, he lived the life he died the death he was buried he was resurrected from the grave he ascended into heaven sent the holy spirit and the holy spirit now applies the work that the father had planned the son had completed and it was applied by the power of the holy spirit and now people are becoming children of god and that those who had already died there's no other salvation in any other name that those who had already died looking forward to the work of jesus christ were trusting him in the same way that we are just from a different perspective and that they're saved by by jesus and the power of the holy spirit just like we are and that the holy spirit came to complete that work in us and it's so wonderful so we are born in the power of the holy spirit but number two apart from the work of the holy spirit you cannot live a life that is conformed to christ and pleasing to the father i'll just read one verse right here and i think that i think this is a fairly fairly uh, understandable thing it says this in galatians 3 3 speaking to the galatians who had had been radically transformed by the power of the holy spirit and the and the the, the Spirit had fell on them and, and began a good work, and you could see the transformation happening right before their very eyes. But then they started to turn and think that they could do works and they could do good things in order to complete the job. So they had been born again, and this is what I see in myself. I've seen it. I've, I see it in you. I see it in, in people. I see it in Christians in general. They think, I start by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't think I could do that. I mean, ain't no baby ever climbed up in its mama and then come right back out, right? Like, you don't have a part in your birth, right? That's a very passive event. You don't choose the day you're born. You don't even choose to be born. Mom and daddy got together, what's up? And then you show up, right? You had nothing to do with that, right? We say that, that justification, new birth, is a monergistic work. God is doing that. You get no credit for salvation on the justification level. But when it comes to, to salvation, that we think that we start by the Holy Spirit and then we're to live the life and be good Christians by 
our works and whatever those works are vary from from believer to believer you may be you may be of mind that the work that you do to perfect yourself in the life and sanctification is that that you do missions and that you give a lot and that that you uh you have church attendance and and you know all these things you're checking the boxes left and right but if the power of the holy spirit's not there you're not being sanctified you're not being transformed to the image of god it is only through the power of the holy spirit that you begin this life it is only through the power of the holy spirit that you continue on in this life it is only by the power of the holy spirit that you become more conformed to the image of christ you cannot do it of yourself galatians 3 3 says this it says are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected in the flesh no Paul says, that's silly. How can you think that you're going to start in the Spirit and then you're good enough to, 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 to finish it out? You can't do that. If you were good enough to complete this thing, then you would have been good enough to start it. No, it was started by the Spirit. It'll be finished by the Spirit. Now, just a couple of practical things because I know my time's getting close to the end, but I want to say this. What are you, let me ask this question, one-on-one right here. Well, one-on-250. <laughs> what, okay. Everybody looking at me, okay? Let me look around, make sure everybody's looking. Uh, this is a real question. I want to ask it. What are you doing personally to grow in your walk and understanding, in your interaction with the Holy Spirit? I could go on and on and on. I, I had in my notes here Romans chapter uh, 8 verses 1 through 8 if you'll remember that whole intro to that whole chapter is you know who will set us free from this body of death Paul asked that in chapter 7 at the end chapter 8 rolls in therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of sin and death for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death you know what else it goes on to say it goes on to talk about that active obedience of Christ that Jesus Christ was offered as a sin offering so that the power of death, that the power of sin, that this as a sin offering in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, right? And that we might then walk in those who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And it goes on to say, let me just read that one part because this is key right here. You, you, you need to understand this. Romans chapter 8. Uh, verse 14, I think it is. Yeah, listen. No, no, Here you go. Verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Listen to this, verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's, that's huge, huge. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Hey, let me tell you something right now. That goes for believers too. If you don't think a believer can get in the flesh, I don't know about that. Now, remember the perspectives though. From a heavenly perspective, those who are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ have already been justified, sanctified, and will be glorified. But from the perspective that we have down here, we've been justified and we're being sanctified. Okay? So from our perspective, we push and we push and we drive, we, we pray, we seek God, we get on our face, we, we chase after the Holy Spirit, we chase after Christ through the Holy Spirit, and we do work, we get in the trenches. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but knowing that it is God who is at work in you both to, 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 to uh, work for, uh, both the willing to work for his good pleasure, right? Got time to hang you are to work as hard as you can knowing that it is God who is at work in you. Now, let me get back to this. My question is, how are you interacting with, with God? How are you interacting with the Holy Spirit? How do you pray? What are the things that you do? I would suggest that the greatest example that we have of someone that knows how to, I, the language is just terrible, but I'm going to say it this way, 
how to get in the spirit. You know, I don't really like that. It's like all Pentecostally. But Pentecostals are fine. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, you know, by, by association, you know. Um, but, I, you know, what, how, do you, how do you get in the spirit, you know? And I'm not talking about like that kind of, you know. But it might lead you to do that. David danced undignified before the Lord. So whatever, you know. Uh, but how, what do you do? to get in the spirit, to, to make sure you're walking in the spirit, right? To, to, to make sure that you're interacting and, and that you're, you're, you're conversating with God in a spiritual means, in a spiritual realm. Am I getting weird on you? That's because it is weird, right? And let me tell you something. If your Christianity is just straight up normal all the time, then you need to check something because we're talking about a supernatural God, right? I just don't, hey, hey, I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to me. Look, I've been doing so much reading lately. Like, I, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to become an academic, right? <laughs> I, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. If you think that I'm knocking on the Pentecostal church, look, I got to go to the Pentecostal church from time to time to get a little revival, okay? You go to the Baptist church, you go to the Presbyterian church, you get some good theology, go over to the crazy Pentecostals and get a little bit of water, Right? Right? I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying nothing bad about either one of them. All I'm saying is, as my brother Dustin was saying this morning, wherever he is in here, is that we've got to find a balance between spirit and truth. And I'll tell you what, some of those really super dry Presbyterians that are adding chapters to the Westminster Confession, <laughs> you, know, you know, whatever, uh, man, they, they, they should have like a, a Pentecostal church just come in from time to time. Now, they would be like, what are these, you know, but in the same breath, the old pennies, the chandelier swingers, they need to bring a Presbyterian in from time to time and say, listen, y'all need to put the brakes on just a little bit because of this scripture over here and this scripture over here, right? We need each other. We need each other. So I'm getting toward the end of my time, but I'll say this. You can't please God in the flesh. You can't do it. You can, it's not by the by the will of the flesh or by, by uh, the blood. It's, it's, you, you can't do it on your own. You can't be born again on your own. You can't live the life on your own. Some people talk about justification is by the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you, sanctification and glorification are all by the Holy Spirit. I'm asking, what do you do to engage the Holy Spirit? Do you sit, and just, there's, you know, man, you just, as numerous as the sand on the seashore as possibly, but any way you can communicate with anybody, you can communicate with God. You can communicate with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask just a couple simple questions. Uh, are you all, all about just facts and academia? Are you all, you know, just all about um, what's right and what's wrong? And, and I'm not saying that it's not important to be about what's right and what's wrong. But do you ever just get along with God and just pray? Just meditate. Just ask him to just fill you full. Ask, you know, and, and I'm, you know, the whole emotionalism thing. You know, I get it. I get the, the risks there, you know. I mean, if we make it just some type of emotional thing to where we're just all, you know, want to feel God all the time, then we can get outside of what the truth of God's word is. And it's just we base our entire existence and our entire relationship with God on feelings that we have. We can't do that. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say that that doesn't mean that I don't want to feel God move. Man, I want to feel God move, right? I want to see God move. I just want to see it and feel it in a biblical way. That's okay, isn't it? That's okay. I'd love to be slain in the spirit. I've been slain a time or two, right? I think. Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be drunk in the Holy Spirit. Why, how do you compare those two? If from every now and then, when you don't get straight up drunk on Jesus, I don't, you know, drunk on the Holy Spirit, I don't know, right? I give God room there. I'm just saying this. If you really want to experience the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't just stay in your head all day long. You've got to get your heart tuned to the Lord Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit according to the will of the Father. Does that make sense? You'll, you'll thank me later. And pray for me. Pray for me. Because that, that's one of the biggest issues I have, right? I can be studying and studying and studying. And 
Um, last thing, uh, apart, you guys come on up. Apart from the Holy, the, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you will not make it to glory. You won't make it to glory. He is our guarantee. I'll read this this verse, Ephesians, uh, chapter one. 11 through 14. And, and I say it this way because a lot of people spring up. You know, a lot of people spring up because they have had an emotional experience. And this is one of the dangers of emotionalism, you know, calling some pe- somebody to, you know, this great big altar call with fancy music, you know. It may draw them in because of the emotional draw, right? We see this in a lot of churches today uh, that have, you know, these great, fantastic ways of just drawing, playing on the emotions and, you know, drawing you in. And, you know, discuss that later. But what I want to say is this. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 11 through 14 say this. Listen to what it says. It says this, In him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies the atoning work of Christ to bring about new birth. The Holy Spirit is the one to convict us, to lead us, to show us how to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. In in another way of saying, to walk as Jesus walked, to be holy as God is holy. If you want to live a life pleasing unto the Father, if you want to live a life that is mirroring and conforming to the Son, then you will seek to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do that according to the flesh. You cannot live a life pleasing to God according to the flesh. Listen to me, people. If you're coming here and you don't do business with God on your own, you don't interact with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in a way that is meaningful. I I told my son this, I tell him this, I tell him this, I tell him this. If you are leaning on anything else to secure blessing, to secure relationship with God, to secure heavenly glorification and oneness in heaven, if you're leaning on anything other than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it will not work. If you're trusting in your daddy's faith or your mommy's faith, if you're trusting in your church attendance, if you're trusting in your giving, if you're trusting in your wife's faith or your husband's faith, if you're trusting in the fact that you've read the Bible four times cover to cover, If you're trusting in any of those things, it will not work. As a matter of fact, it's displeasing to God. If something's not pleasing to God, it's necessarily displeasing to God. And God hates the idea that you think that you're good enough to come into His presence without His Holy Spirit being the one that brought you there. I don't know how I could be more practical than this. If you're not a believer in the room... And the Holy Spirit is drawing you unto salvation even right now. Then come. The free gift of salvation is offered by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the calling and drawing of the, of the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you a chance right now. Is there anybody that's heard the gospel in here that Jesus Christ has paid your sin debt? That he has went to the grave where you should have. He resurrected proving that he defeated death, sin, hell, and Satan. And he ascended on high so that he could send the Holy Spirit to make his righteousness your very own. Anybody in here never been born again that would like to be born again right here in front of God and everybody? Raise up your hand real high. I'll give you an opportunity right now. Anybody? You will not be able to walk out these doors and stand before God and say, I didn't know. 
I had no idea, God. How can you do I didn't know. Undoubtedly, you've heard it a thousand times anyway. But the gospel has just been offered to you. If you live life the rest of eternity, if you live your existence out separated from God in unbearable pain and agony, that will be your own choosing because you will never be able to say, I didn't know. Now, if you want to come afterwards, then come and talk to me. Now, for the believer in the room, whether or not you're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit is, is on you. you. You have every opportunity to get away like Jesus did, who is the example. Get away in a, in a quiet place and just spend time with God. Get away and spend time in prayer. Open up the scripture and don't just read for intellectual, intellectual reasons or, or for obedience reasons. Just read because you love to get to know Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those scriptures to you. Seek God in all of his glory. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who Jesus is and to transform you and to conform you to, to his image. You want to be more in line with the character of God? The Holy Spirit can do that. If you come and talk to him and ask him, spend some time with him. Just slow down a little bit. I'm speaking to me. Do a little bit of work with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to guide your footsteps. Ask God to provide the means that you would walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. You will see magnificent mountains move out of your way. Not because you're powerful, no, but because you're conformed and you're submissive. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now seeking perfection by the flesh? May it never be, child of God. Come unto the Father through the work of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect the Spirit. Don't grieve Him. He gets His feelings hurt. Don't take my word for it. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that we can quench the Spirit, that we can grieve the Spirit. Okay? How does God get His feelings hurt? I don't really know. That's what He said. Right? So I say this. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Chase after Him. Love Him. Pursue Him. And watch your life explode, even in the bad times, with peace and fulfillment. Let's all stand to our feet. Do business with God today. Maybe you find yourself a million miles away and you didn't think you could come back, but you heard today that it wasn't because of your good works that you came to begin with. So don't let your good works convince you that you can't come back. Okay? We come to the throne room of grace by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the will of the Father. Come, do business with God.